to. That's what I wanted to ask you about was the why me. No, because I think if you're going to get through it, you have to stay positive. Right. So mm-hmm. you can't. You can't look at the why me. You mm. have to just like, how am I, what am I going to do to get better and get back to work? And I was living in New York City and I was 25 years old and I had a job at a big agency and, mm-hmm. you know, I just wanted to get back to my normal life. Right. And so it was like, what can we do to heal and get healthy and, you know, just keep powering forward? The pressure is on, dude. How long has it been since you brought us in? Why should I? Uh, forever. That's your, that's so your job. Hey, th- you're witnessing like a first time this, event ever. Absolutely. For the actually, show. this is not my first time. But like, you this said, is why their job. should you? This is their job. It's your okay. show. Bring us it's, in. Okay. Right? Just bring okay. it. I know my name's on the show, but this is your job. So just do your job. Wow. There was two shots right there. Wow. Just in that very quick you. statement. Yeah. Across the bow. Why both should I? Yeah, that's why your job. That's why I hired you to come in and do this. There's actually a little, they're going a little back and forth right now because Tyler's always brought us in and now Ben all of a sudden. There's some animosity no, there's Tyler. Little, little animosity. You're taking over today. Nah, just one day I'm going to take yeah. over. So <laughs> hey, you know I what just I, I'm just trying to figure out what the value I bring here is now because that's the only thing I could do. Yeah. And then I just shut up for the rest of the show. And then and then Ben just, and he'll make eye contact with me too. He'll look right at me when he does it. Like doesn't look at cameras, doesn't look at Darren, doesn't look at guests. And he just brings us in. Yeah. Just stumbles his way through the opening. <laughs> so there. none of that today. None of that today. Well, but, but hold on. before Hold on. You know what I love nothing more? What? Darren, than when people say, that's not my job. Oh, that's a good Why point. Why is that? I, I love that more than anything. I Don't love you? when people just, yes. pass, just pass the buck. Just yeah. pass the blame. I love it. Yeah. yeah. You, you know you know your strengths. That's like the, you know equivalent, who you are. That's the equivalent on the football field, which happened last night, and I had a very real conversation about it. On the football field, when someone's like, what was that? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, okay, good teammate. Thanks for letting me know <laughs> yeah. I just screwed up and letting yeah. everybody else know. Yeah. And see, <laughs> it wasn't yeah. your fault. And this is not the case. In this situation, the case here is just knowing your lanes, right? Okay. Stay in your lane. Let's get to it. Right? So that's what we're doing. We're staying in the lane. That's my first time outside of my lane. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, today the voice you heard that didn't sound like ours. Didn't sound like a meathead. Uh, much more attractive, much yeah, more much sophisticated, more much more yes, intelligent. Highly intelligent. <laughs> Just a good uh, person, actually. <laughs> much softer voice was, was Kelly Higgins. And Kelly and I, uh, I'm going to tell the story, Kelly. Okay. Uh, so it was about three, about a month ago, month and a half ago, I was uh, out with the family. And uh, was at a restaurant, and I was sitting at the front door of the restaurant, and I saw this young lady, pretty girl, walk up, and she was by herself. And, and I'm standing at the door. My, my wife and my son, my little five-year-old, were down the, down the street, and they were walking up to the restaurant. So I'm in the front, got, you know, waiting for our table to open up, waiting for my wife and my kids to come through. And here comes this, this girl walks through the front door. And I look at her, and if for some reason, I just look, and I was like, man, I know this girl. <laughs> and Ben, I, I actually, I called Ben that yep. same day because mm-hmm. I was a little emotional about it. But I called Ben that same day, and I was like, man, telling him the story. And I'm like, I looked at her, and I said, man, this girl looks really familiar. And you walk by, Kelly walks by, and I think you went and sat, or you went, I think to sit down, but then you walk back across me again. You walk back mm-hmm. outside, and I saw you walking back 
And I'm looking at her and I'm like, man, I just can't put, I just can't put my finger on this, but I know her. And you walk back out. You didn't even look at me. You just kept going. You walked out. And I sat down with my, my wife comes up and we, they finally sit us down and I'm sitting at the table and I'll tell my wife, I said, you know, this girl walked by and I know her. I just don't know how to put my finger on it. So Tiffany's reaction was like, yeah. How do you know her? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Pretty girl. Exactly. Darren? Yeah, pretty girl. Yeah. So, you know, I, I tell Tiffany this, and Tiffany looks, and she's like, I don't know what, you know, what to tell you. So I, we start eating, and then it happened to be about maybe an hour later, 45 mm-hmm. minutes later, Kelly, your mom. My mom and your, my stepdad. And your stepdad walked up, and the conversation went like this. Um. Kelly's mom did the talking. She says, you probably don't remember, but in 1998. 1998, yes. <laughs> at the Troy Aikman-Roger Staubach fashion show, which we represented. Kids um, shouldn't have uh, cancer, right? Kids that have cancer. Yeah. Um, you walked, she pointed at her daughter, Kelly, you walked her down the aisle. And it was the, it was craziest feeling because I knew this. I, I, don't, I couldn't put two and two together, but I knew that we had somehow, we, there was an engagement mm-hmm. here. And at that time, Kelly, I, I don't know, this is what, 1998, you were eight years old? Eight, yes. Uh, I had to be, I don't know what old I was back then, but, you know, 28, 29. Like 24 years ago, I yeah, think. Yeah, 24 years ago, 52 yeah. now, so you guys do the math. Yeah, so, but so I want the math. 24 minus 80. I'm not doing the math. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm talking Ty. Uh, but I sat there and, I, and I'm thinking, like, I'm at the table and it was emotional for me because mm-hmm. I knew what that was like. That event, that, that, right. that event that we had was, you know, you, you, you have kids and, you, and these kids are, are, are dealing with cancer. Yes. And yeah. it's not just the kids, it's the families. That you're seeing, you're seeing the, the eyes and the the, the uh, those the moms and the dads and the brothers and sisters, and you walk them down the aisle, and you never forget. I never forget those moments. Like, yeah, I, there were moments in in that time where, uh, in the eight year period, where I lost two kids that I had walked down the aisle, and it's and it's emotional because I want you right. want to stay engaged and all, but I hadn't seen you in so long. And you were eight years yeah. old. There's no way I would. I don't would think, look the same. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> neither do I. My hair is gone. But uh, it was just crazy how the universe put us in that moment and, and the yeah. feeling that was there because it felt. I, and I don't know if it was mutual to you. You probably didn't know. You had no idea. But for me, it was there was an engagement there. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. And for your mom to come up and say that to me. It was emotional because I just felt like, you know, you were one of my kids. I know. I know. Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, I was hesitant to walk up to the table. I didn't want to interrupt your dinner. And mm-hmm. so that's why my mom was like, we're going to say hello to him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, when we walked in, it was the same thing. I saw you standing there and I was I immediately saw you. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I was like, I think that's Darren Woodson. Why immediately that came to my mind? We haven't seen each other mm-hmm. in, what, 20 whatever years. We're not doing math. <laughs> right. um, and, you know, I kept looking at you, and I was like, 
I don't know. And we caught each other's eye a couple mm-hmm. of times, but I assumed it's because I was staring at you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, like, I was staring back. Yeah, why is yeah. this girl looking at <laughs> Thank me? Thank God my wife wasn't there. <laughs> why is this girl looking at me? But yeah, it was, um, we went through the dinner and it was a really weird thing. We we're supposed to be there the night before mm. and we were late. So there were so many weird universe things that lined up that we were at that entrance at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't expect to be emotional, but when we walked up to the table, table, I think there were waterworks from you, yeah, me, yeah. my parents, your wife. wife yes. There was not a dry eye at the mm. table, which was so, it was just a wild experience. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and from that experience, I, I sat there and we talked a little bit briefly and I said, listen, I need to get you on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I need to tell, I need to tell this story. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we all on this podcast, we always talk about serving and giving back mm-hmm. and making, trying to make an impact. And it was so refreshing to see, you know, that experience came right back to me. Right. It came right back to me. And it was just serving, just doing what we normally do uh, in, in serving that, you know, this relationship uh, form. But, you know, I said, I want to get you here because not only do I, you know, do I want to build on this relationship, but I want to tell your story. I want you to tell your story mm-hmm. because there's so many in our, in our, that are listening, that those that are listening um, to this in so many ways have probably had someone who's been, who's gone through these experiences. I just mm-hmm. lost in two years, two and a half years ago, I lost my big brother oh, to, so uh, to liver cancer. So I know it's, uh, you know, we're all touched or right. we're all close in, in some way. Mm-hmm. So I, I, wanted, I want you to go back. Okay. And I want you to tell your story for where you, when you grew up, mm-hmm. your family dynamics, where you grew up, and, and, and the whole. Okay. So start? you go ahead and start. <laughs> now I'm taking over. <laughs> yes, you got the mic. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was born in Houston, Texas. Um, you a cowboy fan when you were born? Automatic cowboy fan. You weren't yes. a Texan or an Oilers fan. It was Oilers back Oilers. then, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, definitely not. My Thank family's you. all from Indiana, so if anything, it skewed Colts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now, diehard Cowboys family. Don't yeah. worry. I'm glad yeah. you aligned yeah. that way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we came to the right side. Um, yeah. So born in Tex in Houston. Um, mom and dad. My dad actually passed away when I was 10 months old. Mm. He had a brain aneurysm. So it was me and my mom in Houston until I was five. Uh, Then we moved to Plano. My grandparents lived here. So to be closer to my grandparents, you know, more support for my mom. And we had been here, I think, about three months when I was diagnosed. Um, No signs in Houston or anything. It was just really, again, a weird universe thing that we ended up in Dallas. Um, I was five and I was losing weight, sick, and my mom kept taking me to the doctor, and they just kept saying, it's a virus, it's a virus. It went on for about six weeks, um, and then finally the tumor ruptured, and it caused me to be unconscious, and so obviously at that point we knew something was very wrong. Rushed to the hospital, ended up being at um, Children's down in downtown Mm -hmm. Dallas, Mm -hmm. and they did emergency surgery, clear out the tumor. It turned out that I was diagnosed with stage four um, rhabdomyosarcoma tumor, uh, which is a rare pediatric cancer of the soft tissue. Mm -hmm. So diagnosed stage four, um, did a few surgeries. Um, A week after I was diagnosed, we started chemo, did chemo 
I want to say for a few months. Mm -hmm. Um, At that point, my grandma was working retail and she just quit her job. And she was really the one who took me back and forth between everything. Well, obviously a single mom, so she had to be at work during the daytime. But I mean, she was there all the time as well. It's not to say she wasn't Mm -hmm. because she definitely was. Um, but we just had our little our little team that took me took me to all my appointments. So we did chemo for a while, and then after that, we did radiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it was close to a year process. And then after several more surgeries and you know a whole slew of procedures and s- scans and treatments, then I was finally uh, cancer-free at the mm. age of, I think I was seven when finally it was mm. cancer-free. Right. So yeah. how much do you remember early on in the process when you were feeling sick and losing weight? How much do you remember about that part? I don't really remember much at all, mm. honestly. I, I have a few snippets of memories of um, just like not feeling right. But a really, a lot of that experience is just out of my memory. Yeah. I know it from my mom and grandma, obviously, talking about it through my life. Right. So let's talk, I want to talk about your mom yeah. a little bit, because uh, to lose her husband suddenly and unexpected, mm-hmm. uh, and just you were the only, only child. One, okay, yes. only child at that point. Um, to lose your husband and then five years later... Do you remember, did she just put, was she just strong? Did she put on a face? I mean, I can't imagine that. I would mm-hmm. unravel. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the anger that would be inside of me, like, wh- why? Like, yeah. why? So how was she through that process? She is the strongest person ever. Like, she just, like, carried through and persevered. And we have an amazing support system with our family. But, I mean, now being her age when all of that was happening, I cannot even imagine, but she was there through it all and super strong. And, you know, she always put me first, um, forever. Yeah. That's amazing. So when you, so you don't remember much about when you were five years old then, right? Not at all. So do you remember anything about the chemo? Has your mom told you stories about going through chemo? Um, a little bit. I know mm-hmm. it was like an all-day process, and it was just like, how many movies can we watch? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, just like grueling, sitting sitting in a room at that point. I'm sure it was like 1995, mm-hmm. so at that point they didn't have all, all the comforts and luxuries and developments that they have now. Oh, right. um, so I don't, I don't remember a lot of it. I remember I was really sick, and right. I was in the hospital a lot. Um, and I was kind of in a little bubble because you know if you get a fever you have a cough anything you're right back in the hospital yeah so, so were you did did you stay the night there at all throughout I mean you were staying the night oh yeah I was staying the, the yeah. night a lot when I was doing chemo mm-hmm. I was home unless mm-hmm. like a fever or something happened but right. um I was in and out of the hospital a lot for that year talk about that that community in the hospital mm-hmm. of the other kids that you were mm-hmm. you were battling alongside um, my wife lost her sister to uh, Wilms tumor cancer. So familiar with that side of it, but the, the craziest thing to me and not having experienced that is the relationships that come out of it. Are you still connected with any of those people from back in the day? or None of the kids necessarily. Um, really the person who stuck in our life was my child life specialist, the person who 
coaches the families through everything. So um, she, I haven't been in contact with her in the most recent years. My, she still exchanges like Christmas cards with my mom and mm. all of that. But she married one of my nurses, and so they mm. were this little like wonderful angel couple in our lives. And um, so we stayed really close with them. I had amazing doctors. My oncologist, unfortunately, has passed away since, but um, he was always, like, a very, very special person in our lives also. But the community and resources of just, like, being there is so wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Right. So you're, okay, so you go through this at five. I meet you at eight, eight. right? yes. Okay, so you're in remission at this time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like a year in. Okay, so talk, do you remember ever, do you remember the fashion show? Oh, yeah, it was like it a highlight <laughs> of my, I think I did three, maybe uh-huh. three. Um, oh, it was always so fun. You get your hair done, your makeup done, yeah, you get yeah. to pick out your outfit at Nordstrom uh-huh. and but I was so shy. You probably, I, my mom always, even pre running into you at the restaurant, mm-hmm. always laughs at. She walked up to the side of the runway when mm-hmm. we were up there together, and she said, "Is she talking to you?" And you said, "Not really." Because <laughs> <laughs> I was so shy, so so shy. But I remember it was just this like fun, special thing you got to do. Yeah. Um, after going through so many not fun things, you know, you were, you were like the star of the show yeah, and it you was were, yeah. so fun. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the, t- it seems like it's Tyler amazing. and Darren know what it is, it's, but it's amazing. What, what is the event exactly? So it is a, we call it the fashion show and it's Troy Aikman and, and, and Roger Staubach put it, used to put this on mm-hmm. and the children's cancer fund puts it on. Yeah. Did you yeah. guys do it? Well, mm-hmm. you were there as well mm-hmm. and, yeah. with the Cowboys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it was held at the Anatole back back uh-huh. then and it's a huge it still event. is actually yeah yeah it still is okay yeah. it's a huge event and they normally have players or uh, entertainers that are in the within the community local, yeah local, local celebrities, celebrities. But like morning show hosts. because troy and roger yeah. chair it every single year yeah, yeah. Uh, and they have for shoot God. 25 plus years yeah yeah, yeah. if not so, longer so they'll probably ask us here before long, well, no, you and nice. yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. I think when we yeah. did it, it, it was the ten year, so it would be like anniversary? okay, yeah, eighty eight ish. Wow, yeah, yeah. When they started, and it. they listen, okay. and they do a phenomenal job. It raises two, money, I'm assuming. It raises, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. dinner, yeah. and then and then it's great. So you know, all of the uh, all the survivors, all the all the kids that are you know in their battle, they get to walk down, they introduce them, they give a bio yeah. about them, talk yeah. about it, and like. And you, and you talk about like the, like these, they light up like, because they, and they own it. Like they own the stage. Like, and you can always tell those like two, right. Then Mm -hmm. like get down at the end and you get to pick like some of them wear like, like firefighter costumes or some of them will like what they want to be when they grow up. And then, you know, girls have the gowns and it's just, it's, there's so much life around that event and so much encouragement and joy. Although, right. Some of these kids and families are like in the hardest time, but it's mm-hmm. like, it, it feels like a breath, right? Like you yeah. go in and you can take a breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know what it is? It's very, it's fulfilling as the, the local celebrities that are in that back room before, yeah. you know, before you guys, the, they walk the kids in, you're, you're, you're normally sitting in the back room and you're waiting on the kids to come in. Cause you haven't met, I, I, I didn't meet you beforehand. Yeah, I think it's it was a, right before. It was right, right before. So, you know, we're normally talking, and then the kids walk in that back room, and it just gets quiet. 
and you're trying to figure out, you know, get to know your kid and you want to hold her hand and you have, I had questions and I probably didn't respond. (laughs) You weren't responsive, (laughs) but you know, as as that person, you just want, you just want to know, you know, you want to, you know, it's like, I want to get to know who you are and know Mm -hmm. what your struggles are. And this is when we were doing this, this is in the, the heat of the season. This is during the season when, when we were doing uh, these shows yeah. for us. So yeah. it was that day off. It was our day off. It was a Tuesday that we would actually mm-hmm. do this event. And, and how did you get selected? You said you were in remission at this point. How did you – was this the only one that you did, or did you say you did multiple? I think I was in three. Uh-huh. Yeah, three. This – honestly, I, it's all through the hospital. Okay. So I'm sure it's through, like, child life, and I don't really remember the selection process. I was involved in a lot of different – like pediatric cancer fundraising type things. I was an ambassador for um, Give Kids the World and was a part of Make-A-Wish and all of that. So they have kind of a network of the kids who are in the heart of everything at Mm -hmm. that point of treatments. And, um, you know, it's probably the families that the hospital knows. And I'm sure through that network, but Mm -hmm. I don't really remember the specific selection process similar to like american idol it's like a 10-week process it's <laughs> really grueling auditions yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so so you and darren connect here but then you go your separate ways where do yeah. you go from there personally what what, what happens from to you there next? um i grew up in plano and i had a pretty normal upbringing um Went through high school, everything in Plano. Went no to, other health issues? This, no this other health, health issues, no. Mm-hmm. I was followed every year. So you'd go mm-hmm. back for, they call it the ACE Clinic. It's after the cancer experience. So you're still a kid, mm-hmm. but you're out of treatment at it's, that point. Right. So they still, we would go back to children's every year. And, mm-hmm. you know, they look at you kind of as a whole and what you need given all of the medications you had, scans, everything that impacts your tiny little body. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, everything was pretty normal. I, at that point, finished elementary school, middle school, went to Plano Senior High, graduated, went to um, Oklahoma, had like mm. a pretty normal college experience. Um, and then from there, I moved to New York City, like straight after college, uh, about a week after graduation. I just called my mom one day. I was like, I want to move to New York. And she's like, why? <laughs> um, she always, we always thought, you know, I'd come back to Texas, but. Um, so what was that separation before you went to OU? What was that separation like? Because your mom has, I mean, she, not only is your mother, bond. but your, the bond between yeah. you, know, you and your mom and your, your grandparents. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. it hard to, because that's a, a huge separation. And I know it's not. To you know, go to Oklahoma. Part, but to go to OU. Yeah. What was that like? It was it was a lot. Um, mm. I was, I think I just kind of did it mm. and didn't really think about what I was doing until I was there. And then I was like, oh my gosh. Because like you said, single mom, mm. just the two of us, we had such a bond from that already. And then everything we went through, um, right. I mean, we're just all like best friends. Like mm. our family, we just have had to rely on each other so much that we're extremely, extremely close. So it was hard. And right. at first I came back a lot. And my mom was like, you, as much as, you know, now that I can look back on it, she probably was like, yeah, come home. It's right. fun to have you home. But yeah. she was like, you need to stay. stay. Like, <laughs> stay for a weekend. You will have fun. Right. And yeah. So it took me a little while to like ease into the being away. And then towards the end, she was like, when are you coming home? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 
it I was busy, you know, with all the change. So that kept my mind off of it. Mm -hmm. But it probably was harder for my mom because, you know, at that point she just was in at a house by herself. Herself, She was dating my stepdad at the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, she was by herself. And but she always it goes back to her always putting me first. She. Uh, never once did I feel her say you should stay closer, mm. nothing. It was wherever you want to go. She supported me, um, yeah. whatever was best for what I wanted. She always. Now, let me tell you guys, mom's a tough chick now. Mm-hmm. She is tough. Tough, tough. She, yeah. she walked up when we were eating. She was like, hey, <laughs> like there was no pause. Like, <laughs> you're going to put the fork down. And we're going to have this conversation. So she, what, I mean, what else do you have to be scared of? Like right. The experiences that she's gone Absolutely. through. Absolutely. Like, you've gone okay. through those experiences. Hey, yeah. if, if you're a jerk, then I don't have time for you anyways. anyway. Exactly. So yeah. I'm coming in, so what? and I'm going to put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. She's like, you need to go up. I was like, no, I don't want to interrupt this dinner. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I'm going up there. <laughs> no, no conversation. Okay, I will. Yeah, with or without you. As I'm like holding the to-go bag, I'm like, no, mom, no. <laughs> so what was, uh, so at OU, what did you major in? I started as a graphic design major, mm-hmm. and then um, a year in, I switched to the advertising program. So mm-hmm. my degree is in journalism with an emphasis in advertising. So why advertising? Like, why was that route that you wanted to go? I always knew I wanted to do something in the creative mm-hmm. field, so that's why I started out graphic design. Um, the program was pretty competitive, so if we're being honest, I switched because I didn't get into the program. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. We're, like, putting all our cards on the table. <laughs> we love um, it. So I didn't get into the program, um, and then I had mm-hmm. this advisor. I was on Union Programming Board, which, like, plans all the events at the university, um, and I had a great advisor there, and he told me, he was like, I think you should really think about advertising. It combines being creative, but also the business side of yeah. things, mm-hmm. um, which really suited my brain better, yeah. really, than just being 100% creative. So yeah. right. um, that's how I got into Gosh. it. All right, so you graduate. You say, I'm going to New York. Your mom says, why? What's your answer like to why? Like, why? I said, I don't know. I just really want to. And I had had like a three-week internship in New York, um, two summers before I graduated, but that was the only time I had been to New York City. It Mm. was this three-week stint. And Mm. I remember I came back, and my mom was like, so what did you think? Hoping I wouldn't say, oh, I want to move there. (laughs) And um, I said, oh, it's gross. It smells, and it's really crowded, and I would never... I could you never. You said summer. It was there. over the summer. Yes, mm-hmm. it yeah. was. It, it's probably not the greatest time. Is remember, it, it yeah. smelled really bad. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not <laughs> doing the garbage that. on the Try street. Fi- yeah, yeah. Try Philly. <laughs> Philly's <laughs> worse. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I. It was a couple weeks before graduation, and uh, the way the ad industry works is th- they have a they interview and they need you then. So you don't have the job offer mm-hmm. months before like right. finance or mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. you know it's when you're an advertising major you graduate and no one has a job right so I didn't have a job anywhere and my friend had an open room in this apartment that she was subleasing and how big was that room a closet tiny. yeah <laughs> it was very tiny mm-hmm. and I convinced my mom and stepdad that I should go and they said we will pay your rent for one month 
Oh, and wow. then wow. you either have to come home <laughs> or you have to pay your own rent in New York City. Uh, and we also had a family vacation plan for a week of that one month. So I really... Oh, they didn't even like push it back uh, at all. No, it's like starting no. today, one month from <laughs> yeah, now. They're no, hoping you failure, you have, failure. You have one month to figure wow. it out. And wow. um, so I was there a week and went on a week vacation. <laughs> Still didn't have any leads. Right. And so I was like, I have two weeks and I'm sure I'm coming back to Dallas. Uh, and um, I ended up getting a post-grad internship, which I also said I'm not taking another internship, but uh, didn't quite pay the rent, but at least I could contribute at yeah, that point. Right. Making progress. Yeah, yeah. we were yeah. taking steps in the right direction. And um, so then I did that for two months and then it, I ended up landing a job that fall and signed a lease and mm. I ended up being there for eight and a half years. Oh my wow. <laughs> so let, walking us through this, going through college and then moving on to New York City, were you, was there ever that fear in the back of your mind that the cancer would come back? We had some scares. Mm. Um, no, we were very fortunate. Nothing through college. Mm -hmm. It really all started when I got to New York. Um, we had a scare. I had been there, I don't know, two months, mm -hmm. and I wasn't feeling right. And we had a, I did a scan, and we were like, uh, something might not be right. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a network of doctors at that point, right. and I was um, past children's mm -hmm. because I was. 21 at that point mm -hmm. so I was kind of like shoot what do I what do I do mm -hmm. um it was really overwhelming being in New York my mom being here mm -hmm. so she called the ACE program and they had an in at Sloan Kettering survivorship program they had worked with them closely that's right in the city of Manhattan yes okay. yeah mm -hmm. and so I ended up getting connected to Sloan Kettering and that was just a life-changing connection again um so I got in their survivorship program they started monitoring me and mm -hmm. yeah there were definite scares along the way um I had been in New York I think I was 25 so I've been there like four years we've been going along you know annual checkups mm -hmm. all of that um, and they found a cyst in my pancreas, mm -hmm. and but we didn't know if it was a cyst or a tumor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with my history, it was yeah. very, very concerning. And also, you don't want to mess around with pan pancreas, the pancreas. Right, right. Everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. So um, I ended up getting connected to a surgeon at Sloan Kettering, like world-renowned, Dr. D'Angelica. He's an angel on earth. Mm -hmm. And um, he... He was like, I really don't want to do surgery because pancreatic surgery is extremely complex. Mm -hmm. um, so he talked to all his people as much as he could to avoid it. And um, I was here when he called me and he said, you know, I just can't in my good faith. I cannot leave this. We have we need to do the operation. Mm. So that was a scare, a big scare at that point. Mm -hmm. I ended up having... Um, the Whipple procedure, which is what a, was that? Describe that. It is one of the biggest surgeries you can have, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it's usually done on elderly men. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I really didn't fit the bill. Um, they were like, we, you know, it was just like how, not how is this happening to you? Because there's always outliers, but you never want to be the special, interesting case mm -hmm. at the doctor's office. Right. And I was definitely the interesting case mm -hmm. at his office at that point. Um, but so it's it's huge. Essentially, they take part of your pancreas where the sister tumor is, um, remove that, and kind of 
deconstruct your entire digestive tract and oh, put wow. it back together mm. um, and kind of like reroute things because your pancreas really is connected to a lot more things than we realize. Right. Right. Um, so they did that. I ended up being out of work for a few months and um, yeah, I was in the hospital off and on for two months mm -hmm. and it was a massive, massive, massive surgery, life changing how you're, digest food and everything yeah. but so are you learning all over again how to digest food and how to you know, yeah how to eat, eat? how yeah. yeah um you had to eat tiny tiny meals so mm. um we learned the hard way once i was cleared about a week after surgery to eat it mm. was the night shift mm. and my nurse was so excited that i could eat and i didn't have any food to eat and so she made me her like microwave frozen dinner wow. because we didn't have anything else at that point it was the middle of the night in new york and i was like i can eat i want food right. so she made it and i ate it all and then i was mm. very sick and felt really bad for a few days mm. and you know the doctor was like well kelly you should not eat an entire frozen right. meal at this point your <laughs> whole system has been taken apart right. you need to eat like three bites of something mm. um so it yeah is. it was completely retraining how to eat, how to get enough calories, mm -hmm. um, all of is, that. Is it a constant hunger you're feeling during this time? No, you're not really constantly hungry because your body is so just in shock of what happened. So, again, here comes my mom in this situation. Mm -hmm. She's like, how do I get her to eat as many calories as possible? So she was like, I would have like mini saltines and she'd load it with like a whole thing of peanut butter mm -hmm. and I'd eat like two and I felt full. Wow. You felt like wow. you had eaten Thanksgiving dinner, honestly. Really? Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It oh was gosh. crazy. Because it, I'm not a medical expert, but it <laughs> obviously impacts your stomach and everything, mm -hmm. how they reroute everything. So, yeah, I, I didn't feel hungry. The challenge really was how do I get enough calories to sustain my body mm -hmm. while also not making myself sick because it had gone through so much. What's your what's your mental state at this point? Because the first time you went through the big, you know, treatment, you said you don't really remember much. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, you're aware. Yes. So yeah. from a mental standpoint, what's it like waking up every day? What's your thought process? How are you getting through this? It was hard, but um, I think just everything I had been through previously, my mom and I very much are just like one foot in front of the other, mm -hmm. like what does this day bring? And one of my friends one time said something that stuck with me. She said, take it one day at a time. And if one day is too much, take it w one hour at a time. Mm. So it's like, what, what are we going to do this hour? Are we going to eat breakfast? Or are we going to, mm -hmm. you know, try and figure that out? And it really was just a power, power through mentality. And I never was one to like sit and like, in sorrow or why me it's mm. just you have to that's what i wanted to ask you about was the why me no because i think if you're gonna get through it, you have to stay positive right so mm. you can't you can't look at the why me you mm. have to just like how am i what am i gonna do to get better and get back to work and i was living in new york city and i was 25 years old and i had a job at a big agency and mm -hmm. you know i just wanted to get back to my normal life right and so it was like, what can we do to heal and get healthy and, you know, just keep powering forward? There were definitely hard days. Don't sure. get me wrong. Like mm -hmm. there were good days and bad days. But um, my mom was there the whole time. She came and 
lived in New York for about a month. And then I ended up coming back to Dallas to finish recovering just to, you know, not be in a mm. 500 square foot apartment with two roommates right. and my mom. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, it, it's hard, but you just have to power through. Like, that's how I've always looked at everything, you know, just one foot in front of the other yeah. and just keep mm. going. I mean, that, yeah, that you hear that, but you... Because you hear that phrase, just live one day at a time or one hour at a time. Yeah. And, and, and it usually goes one in or out the other. But for you, you actually truly mm-hmm. live that. That's how you got through. You have to practice it because it can feel really overwhelming to look at the big picture mm-hmm. and how far you have to go to feel normal. Um, you just have to hit the little milestones. Right. All right. So the kids have been in school a couple of weeks now, starting to get back, back into that routine. Uh, the monotony of fall, whether you're shuttling your kids around for sports or you've got things yourself day in and day out. Typically, this is the time of year we're already ready for a break right after summer. One way to do that is to head up to Choctaw Resort and Casino. Uh, Specifically, this week, really excited about this because Aaron Watson, Texas country music himself, is going to be playing live at Choctaw. So Aaron Watson is by far my kid's favorite artist. He's encouraging. He's positive. He's worked his tail off, and he just has a dang good voice. Go up, check him out. The next day, for you uh, old heads out there, you got Kansas playing. I mean, I don't know if you could have a better weekend for us Texas folks. Head up to Choctaw. While you're there, breaking up the monotony, I think you need to stop in the spa, 1832 Steakhouse, uh, very close ties to if you're in Dallas, Nick and Sam's. The possibilities are endless on the things that you can do up there. As a matter of fact, we as a crew are actually taking our families up there this weekend because we like it that much. We're going to hang in the pool. We're going to do all the all the things that they have to offer and really excited about it. So make sure this weekend and every weekend after heading up to Choctaw Resort and Casino for a great time just 60-ish minutes from Dallas. How was your, uh, the ad agency that you worked for at the time, how were they through the process? Amazing. Okay. Amazing. I worked for, um, I'm sure he'll watch this, Alan Perlman. He gets his little shout-out. Shout he out was Alan, my man. boss at the time, <laughs> even though he's a big Giants fan. Oh, well, <laughs> come on, man. Screw you, Alan. Yeah, yeah, come on, it's Alan. Not even, I'm not even angry. I just feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel bad for you. Yeah, bad for him. We had to ride Oh, this is horrible. Yeah, he would put Giants stuff on my desk. I'd put Cowboy stuff on his desk. Yeah, yeah the whole thing going. Um, he was amazing he was my boss at the time and he just anything you need I'm there came and visited me in the hospital supported me um don't worry about work you know I had a really awesome team of just like don't worry we've got it covered when you come back your job is here nothing has changed wow so and you know I had to come back slowly like Mm -hmm. I had to come back with half days and Anyone who knows the advertising agency world, it's not a half-day type job. It's a a 24-hour-a-day job. Um, But he, and the whole team, but he really was very focused on my well-being and how, you know, we could build me up to getting to those full days, but Mm -hmm. also made sure I had what I needed at the time. Yeah, I don't want to overstate this, but I also don't want to skate by how incredible that is, in my opinion. Yeah. Because 
I think a lot of us can be very selfish. And Alan's perspective is this employee's not contributing much mm-hmm. from a work standpoint. Right. Right. And f- so for him to still do that for you says yeah. a whole lot about him. Oh, yeah. He he is amazing. He was, my mom always said, you're not going to have another boss like this. Seriously. Mm. Which I've had wonderful bosses since any other bosses who are listening. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he really, we went through a lot together. You know, mm-hmm. he was the one who gave me my first job right. and um, he took a chance on me straight mm. out of college. And then, you know, a year and a half into us working together, we get faced with this and mm. I was out for a few months and, yeah, it allowed me the space to heal and have the mental space to focus on myself and not worry about, is my job going to be there? Mm-hmm. Are they going to fill my spot? You know, is this going to hurt my career growth? He mm-hmm. always reassured me that it was not a problem and That's awesome. they'd be there when I was ready. Yeah. So you go back to work and you said you piecemealed it basically early on. You're in yeah. and out. So what ends up happening is take, take us, walk us through from that point uh, and forward, what, what else is going on? Are you going back and forth to Dallas or are you sp- mm, staying in New York City? Pretty it put, stayed put in New York City. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would come back, you know, for Thanksgiving, Christmas, all of that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, once I started feeling better, got back to my full routine, it was just like it hadn't happened, you know, mm-hmm. and that was the goal of the surgery was just get back on my feet and um keep moving on with life as, as you should as a 25 year old. So it was probably a full year until Uh I really felt myself. Um, but then life just picked up and, you know, went out with my friends, went to the bars and restaurants and ate out all the time and Uh stayed out late and became a New Yorker. I was a New Yorker again. Yeah. 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 Describe the difference. You grew up in Plano, Texas, Describe the difference between the two, like the the energy that New York brings, the yeah. opportunities, the the hustle, yeah. the exhaustion. I mean, it's exhausting. Yeah. yeah, all those things that come with the city. Describe the differences. Um, they're both great in their own ways. I am so glad that I took the leap of faith to go to New York in my twenties. Um, the path I was on was to come back to Dallas, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the energy and the culture I was exposed to and the people that I would, I, who I would have never met if I hadn't gone there, um, the accounts that I worked on, you know, I went and was able to do a whole TV shoot in Lisbon. And, oh, wow. um, you know, these people I'm working with, I had bosses who were from London and team members from South Africa. And, you know, it just broadened my perspective so much on Mm. what the world is Mm. and the energy is like no other and um it's exhausting and it's a really hard life and there were times where I didn't want to carry my groceries to my apartment yeah (laughs) um, that's got to be a kick I I quickly learned you can't shop with the cart you have to shop with the basket because you have to carry it right yeah (laughs) you're gonna fold up the basket yeah Yeah. exactly um But yeah, I mean, it was a hustle and it was hard and the, the hours you put in at the agency and the expectations that people like Alan had of me, you know, like you will be there until the job gets done. And Mm. I recently reconnected with a girl who I sat next to at that point in my career and, um, 
she we had such a laugh at it was the two of us at midnight at the agency and the two of us at like 6 30 in the morning because yeah. you were the last one finishing stuff up and then you had to be there to prep the meetings because we were like a year into our careers man that's that that's <laughs> awesome but that's that's an awesome story right. because there's so many kids that are out there uh, oh yeah who think oh i'm gonna go to new york city i'm just oh, gonna no. have I'm a gonna blast a team and, and yeah. i'm gonna yeah no. we're gonna go out to eat every Change day and drink wine yeah oh yeah. no yeah. i was like hanging stuff on bulletin boards at midnight and yeah. you know you're in there the next morning like is the coffee set up and mm sit in the back of the room and when people need water you have to pay your dues yeah, you know yeah. a lot of people don't think you have to pay your dues but say it for the people in the back Hold say it again say it for the people in the back so you i have can't to pay be the what? ceo you tomorrow to pay your dues. it yeah. takes time yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you go from there so you, did you jump to another advertising agency from that point or so did i was at um gray for my first five mm -hmm. years in new york so i um did that and then I jumped to an agency called Mother, mm -hmm. um, which I went from Gray as a big corporate um, holding company. Mm -hmm. We had huge, massive accounts. We won Gillette while I was there. Mm. Like it was a big time, like thousand person company. And then I went to Mother, which is the complete opposite. We had big accounts, but it's creatively driven. It was like 120 people, um, really embraces individuality more than any company I think you could imagine mm -hmm. like I don't even really know how to describe it without you being there but um it couldn't have been a more different experience mm -hmm. but so then I was at Gray for five years and then I went to Mother for three and a half years okay yeah Mother was in Chicago or was Mother Mother's in still in New York still yeah in New York. Okay. yeah still right. in New York so I did eight and a half years in New York um the last three and a half at Mother um which was awesome to have the contrast of big corporate process to there's no process and at that point I had enough experience under my belt that I could build processes mm -hmm. and lead teams how I wanted to so the experience early on yeah at the big mothership is yes it, yeah it was crucial and then yeah okay. so is it more mother more entrepreneurial very entrepreneurial mm -hmm. yeah very outside of the box thinking mm -hmm. they you a, a company goes to mother if they want really out there thinking okay. you yep. don't go there if you want your typical you know mm. st standard mm -hmm. advertising we bring some crazy ideas okay. so <laughs> for for those and I, i'm one of them right like you have this idea what like an advertising firm does right uh, we're gonna help you create commercials and billboards and mm -hmm. what all would you actually what what were some of the projects that you would work on so I am in account management. So okay. my job is I am the point person for the client. Mm -hmm. So I, I always say like, I'm the voice of the client at the agency, but mm -hmm. I'm the voice of the agency for the client. Yeah. So I represent and stand up for the client when we're in a creative review internally, but I also stand up for the creative when we are talking with the clients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's just there's one day is not like the other, really. Mm. It's um it's <laughs> just keeps you on your toes, really. Mm. It's but it's it's what you think, you know, you're going on shoots and filming commercials that you see on TV. Um and then out of those shoots, you're also we live in a digital world now. So mm -hmm. a lot of social media and um you know, digital assets or short films and prints 
and you know there's activations Stella Artois was one of my accounts and we like built this whole like activation for Christmas in the Oculus in mm. New York and so it really there's really not a day like the other but it's a hustle and it's a grind and it's tough and there's really high expectations and you know it's it's a really demanding industry, but yeah. super fun. Did you ever think about leaving the industry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Usually not, about midnight when she's still in the yes, office. Yes, yeah. when I'm hanging things at midnight. Um, I did. Not necessarily the industry, but I did think, like, do I want to do agency life mm -hmm. anymore? Because you answer to the client. Right. You know, you are, you, you're career is being funded by them right. so if they're not happy which i'm the one who keeps them happy then things are in jeopardy at your at your agency mm. so um there were times where i thought about it but as i've grown and had more and more opportunities like it, it's a lot of fun and i think at the agency oh. side you get to have a lot more fun right. than you do on the other side of things so mm. that's what's kept me there how much of your, you said the board perspective earlier, how much of the perspective you gained going through your personal health issues, mm -hmm. how much of that translated to your career and your yeah. work life and, and maybe aided you I think, to keep going? I think it just, especially in the agency world, helped with my work ethic. You mm. know, I have the perspective of um, it takes work to mm -hmm. get what you need and you have to keep pushing forward and that applies to your work life too. It's not always easy and, you know, you have to navigate those situations. But on the flip side, it's helped me realize things that people get really upset about, it's not worth getting upset about. Yeah. I have a much bigger perspective on yeah. life yeah. in the world versus like, something silly things that people get really really worked up about and I think that has allowed me to kind of power through in my job and some people might get really beaten down if a client's really hard on you about something and you know my perspective a lot of times is like okay I hear you I'm sorry you're upset how do we fix this so we can keep moving forward mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because we don't need to get bogged down that you're upset about a, a banner ad, you know, like we'll figure it out. It's not life or death. And I have a perspective that, um, there are people who are facing life or death every yeah, day. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, you just, it, my prior experiences, I think helps me realize that the little things are not worth worrying. And that sounds very cliche, but truly that's the perspective it brings. Well, it, it's mm. cliche if you didn't live it. Yes. Right. And, and, mm. And it's one of those things that, you know, suffering is not fun. Nobody wants to suffer or go through those things. But it's amazing how many times you look back and think, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. Assuming yeah. you survive, and I don't mean that, you know. No, I, I totally understand. Assuming you, you make it through it, you look back on those times and think, man, what that yeah. taught me. Mm -hmm. And look what I can get through. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if I could survive the, you know, the major surgeries, the cancer, if I... There's this agency that's nothing. I can yeah. do this. Yeah. Well, I, I think, and, and tell me if I'm, I'm off here, but what it does, and, and this may sound dark, and I don't mean for it to sound dark, but you recognize that, that death is real, right? Mm -hmm. I think as a culture, and you know where I'm going with mm -hmm. this, um, in our culture, we just think that, hey, we're going to live forever. Yeah. Like, it's just going it, to, it's not real. It's, it's everybody else. But you go through a battle like you did, multiple times and it's like okay it is very real so why am I gonna let the small stuff 
bring me down. Yeah. Because it's going to happen. So while I'm here, let's just live it to the fullest. And there's yeah. there's a country, uh, Budan, so the Budanese, like they bring, they they are coached at a very young age to to think about death three times a day. Oh, wow. Like that is like, okay, think about it, recognize it, recognize what they say. It's There's a word that they have, but it's like not permanent is what, what the word translates to. Because we are not permanent. We, we are not going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. You never know when your time is called, right? Yeah. And so I think at a young age, and as I mentioned, my, my wife's family, there's just a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just so, it's like, okay, like, guys, this, is, this isn't that, this isn't that yeah. hard or important, mm-hmm. so yeah. relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I've kind of had that perspective from for life mm-hmm. because, you know, I lost my dad before my yeah. I was one, so, mm-hmm. you know, I, even before it was pertaining to myself and my health, my dad was 30, and, um, you know, you, you, when I was little, I was like, that's old. <laughs> now, yeah. like, I'm yeah. older than that. Uh, that's not old. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, I've grown up with knowing that, that yeah. life is fragile and you just have to embrace it. And it's hard, but that's why you get through the hard stuff to then have the good, the yeah, good that's times. Right. Yeah. That's right. And so through this and throughout these years, have you gone back to mentor or been involved with kids that are going through some of the same circumstances that you went through? Not necessarily the same circumstances Mm. I did, but it's always been very important for me to give back. Mm. And um, so I was very involved with Big Brother, Big Sister. In New York, I had a little sister for five and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, And now I'm in Chicago and I've been looking for something there to get involved with. And I think now I'm ready for it to be more specific to what I went through because I think I can offer a lot to some of those kids. I don't think in my 20s I was ready for that. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a little, um, it hits really close to home seeing those kids. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It, it takes a very strong, um, per, yeah, a very strong person because it's, it's heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, my wife mm-hmm. still, still serves and it's, you know, there's been five or six little girls over the last few years that, that have lost their battle. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really heavy because yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you're there, you're supporting and I, your perspective, I think would be so, so encouraging you know, my wife through her sister felt, but it's like, why do I get to be healthy? And this beautiful child doesn't. Mm -hmm. And then, and then if they do lose their battle, then it's like, it's, it's heavy, but, Mm -hmm. but Holy smokes, we go through every year um, at med city kids and we do Christmas gifts because we did it when I was with the Cowboys and then we just kept Mm -hmm. doing it. Yeah. And you know, there's situations like yours where now, not everyone has grandparents that are close by mm-hmm. that their parents have to work because those metal b- medical bills don't go away. Yeah. No. And it's, yeah. and it's like, they're there by themselves all day, just with the nurses staff. So that's why they become so close. But it's like the more people we can have that go just spend time, bring some joy yeah. into, into that space. Yeah. And it's really that community that gets you through. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's as hard as it is to face. It's so important. Yes. Yeah. 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 Is, is that where your desire to give back comes from? Like where, where why? 
I mean, I, I have my answer. We have our answers. But for you personally, why is it important to give back? You could just live your life. I think why do you want to serve others? I was given so much. I've had so many people donate their time and efforts and it leaves a lasting impact on you. We talked about Darren yeah. my whole life, you know, <laughs> like of when he walked me down the, the runway. Like we've always, it's just been a topic of conversation of how wonderful it is to to have those people and they're what get you through. And so I want to be that person for other people who are going through hard That's times. Awesome. My yeah. mom and grandma have always had that perspective of that it's very important to give back to your community and those yeah. who are less fortunate. So it was, it's just kind of a part of our family, yeah. but then it got kicked into high gear when I received so much love and support. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's so important. There's always someone who you can help. Yeah. 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 So yeah. question for you, Darren, is you see Kelly at the restaurant and emotionally, what was it like <laughs> finding out? And I, and, and I don't even know if you knew at the time that she was in remission or not, but mm -hmm you know, your, the information you had, cause obviously she didn't give you any, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Zero. But yeah. I mean, to say 25 years later, here she is surviving, yeah. thriving. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, there was a time where we were, we would walk cause I did it for so long mm -hmm. as a captain, probably my rookie year on, uh, and didn't never miss a year, and you lose kind of contact with some of the kids through. Um, but I'm always asked. I would always ask the year before, like, you know, what happened to Kelly? Yeah. You know, how's <laughs> Kelly doing? And they would. No, most of the time, depending on who you ask, they wouldn't give you information. Mm -hmm. um, but if you ask the right people, right. they would give you. And, and I had through that process. I there were two kids, and I remember I can't remember her name, man. But uh, it was a little black girl. And she didn't, she lost her life. And mm -hmm. it just, and I, when, I, when I asked about it, I knew she was, she was going through it at the time. Mm -hmm. She wasn't in remission. And when, when I asked about it, they told me, I was like, man, it's just, because I remember her parents being there. And it just stuck with me. Yeah. It stuck me, with me for so long. And, I, and again, you know, I lost a couple of them through that process. But, I mean, it's so fulfilling doing that. You know, walking down and just for that time, it's just maybe it's 10, 20 minutes yeah. or whatnot. But just for that time, it's so fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you, when you called me, Darren, you said you mentioned you called me that night. And, and I don't remember if you said, remember saying this, but you said there was like looking into her eyes, there was a connection. There, there was. Yeah. There was this weird like just this. I can't explain it, but there was a connection there. Yeah. And so I think, you know, we often hear times you know, on this podcast, we talk to people who do serve. We rarely talk to people who have been served. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so I think it's good to hear that other side of how it does truly yeah. affect yeah. the person yeah. being served. It stays with you forever. Yeah, because you're in a moment where you're in need and these people are there for you. And so you, yeah. as little as it may feel to that person, it makes a huge impact on that child, that family. Um, you always remember. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the one thing I, that I can say is this. I mean, how many surgeries have you had through, through oh the years? Oh, boy. Um, upwards of 10, probably. And those surgeries were you know, consistently probably life-threatening. Mm -hmm. I mean, the circumstances you were going through. So as a football player, yeah, you have hands, you have 
surgeries your shoulder you know you're hey look yeah. you're gonna get up you know day, you're, yeah you're gonna rehab and you're gonna be back out there and like the perspective is like these are you know in this situation particularly with kelly she this is an eight-year-old kid like imagine, put yourself in those in that situation mm-hmm. i have four kids like i couldn't imagine going through that but then you know just for what we've done all these years we're glorified because we played a game a game that we played knew we we're going to get up the next day knew we we're going to if we had surgery we we're going to get be all right get rehab had the best doctors in the world you know I guess I just put things in perspective when you know during that time and even while I'm sitting here with you is that you've gone through some battles like these are real battles not just you but your yeah. mom your mm-hmm. grandparents your stepdad yeah I mean, these are real battles that mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know these experiences you know, these they carry you for a lifetime oh but, yeah. yeah and you yeah. See, I would say, and we haven't even talked about your most recent battle. Talk us through 2020. 2020 was a rough year for everyone. It was particularly rough uh, for my family. So we got through the Whipple. Everything was completely normal. Lived normal life for a few years. Um, You know, I got a bug to leave New York, up and left New York, and moved to Chicago, middle of COVID. (laughs) And I had been in Chicago for about three months, and um, I was diagnosed with bladder cancer um, in October of 2020, which, um, come to find out, we think was a result of the radiation I received. Mm. Um, When you were five. When I was five, yes. So it's one of those weird things that it helped save my life at the time, but then it faces you with another battle. Twenty-five years later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you know? The stats on you know children with cancer at a young age. What the reoccurrence rate is? Because, like you said, no, no, I don't know. I think certain cancers are have higher reoccurrence mm-hmm. rates than others. This is not necessarily reoccurrence or reoccurrence because of the cancer type I had, but it's of the treatment. So sure, I'm yeah. sure, yeah. you know, different treatments have higher. But we've always known that I was at a higher risk of reoccurrence because of the treatment. So that's why you go to those annual survivorship appointments. And, you know, I have a standard set of scans and tests I go through every year and, um, they monitor you to make sure because they know that you're at mm-hmm. higher risk. Yeah. So you said that was October 2020, not even a year ago. No. So what's going on now? Are you okay now? What, what? I'm finally feeling like myself again. So the unfortunate part was we caught it. It was stage two, which means that um, the tumor had grown into the muscle of the bladder at that mm-hmm. point. And the only, I shouldn't say the only, the gold standard cure at that point is to remove your bladder. So um, I was in Chicago. I was away from my safety net of Sloan Kettering. I was going to, I was being seen by doctors at the University of Chicago and wonderful doctors, wonderful facility, but they told me we're going to have to remove your bladder. And the only option because of your history is to create a a bag, an external external bag Mm -hmm. on the outside of your body. And that was really hard to hear because I'm 31 mm-hmm. at the time. And I was, I was just like, you know, this sucks. Like, mm-hmm. why, like, why can't there be another option? It wasn't a why me, but why can't there be another option yeah. at this point? Um, so I got in touch with my doctors at Sloan and 
flew to New York and um, was connected with Dr. Bachner, who is a world-class bladder surgeon, and he said, you know, I can't make any guarantees. I know we need to remove your bladder, but I think that we can create what they call a neobladder, um, which is they can actually create a new bladder inside of your body mm. made out of part of your intestines. Um, mm. So he said, you know, you've had a lot of stuff go on in there. Mm. I don't know what we'll find when we go in. But he is amazing, amazing mm. man. And he sat with me and re we ranked the options. We had three options on the table. Um, the bag, there's something called an Indiana pouch where um, they create a pouch on the inside, but you essentially have to catheterize through mm. your abdomen mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to go to the bathroom. Or a neobladder, which essentially you function as a completely normal person. Mm -hmm. And so um, I went to New York. The surgery was December 9th. And going in, we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And so we went you in. You didn't know what the outcome was. They had to go in mm -hmm. first, initial. Okay. Yeah, right. they had to right. go in. And we knew the outcome was that they were removing my bladder. Right. But we didn't know if it was going to be a bag, if it was going to be the Indiana pouch or a neobladder. And you bladder. weren't going to know until you woke up, right? No. No, okay. I wasn't going to know. Right. And um, so we went in and it was supposed to be a, I think like a four to six hour surgery. It ended up being eight hours. Um, mm. It was COVID, so no one could be at the hospital. Oh and gosh, um, wow. so my mom just was getting these phone calls of Dr. Bachner is progressing well. And she's like, what does that mean? Like, mm. what do we know what the outcome is at this point? And they wouldn't tell her anything. And Dr. Brockner is a wonderful doctor and very, very precise and perfectionist. And he did not want to give any false hope to my family. Mm -hmm. Even though he thought he could do the neobladder, he, it wasn't until, I guess, like very towards the end of the surgery that he knew that's what was going to be the viable option. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, they called my family, I guess, at like hour eight. And so they were able to do the neobladder uh -huh. and... No external anything, oh, mm -hmm. and it was all going to be okay. Amazing. So awesome. yeah. I was so fortunate to have them, have his team, and it's just proof that you have to get second opinions if something doesn't feel right because right. if I had just gone with the doctors in Chicago, they're wonderful doctors, but mm -hmm. they, they weren't going to push to get mm -hmm. that outcome and you know after talking to dr bachner after the surgery he said it was it wasn't easy you weren't mm -hmm. the prime candidate let me tell you mm -hmm. um but he called in heads of surgery of sloan kettering during the surgery to consult and make sure because he wanted it so badly and he mm -hmm. just wanted wow. to make sure everything could yeah. be okay that's such a great story because Gosh. it's i mean doctors are always getting sued I mean, that's all we overhear about. Like, I we know. always hear, well, this doctor prescribed this and this and that. But you don't hear the good stories. You, mm -hmm. you rarely hear the stories of, you know, <laughs> saving lives yeah. and taking the time and, yes. and, and asking questions yeah. and doing all the. And that's, and that's it. Um, and, and rightfully so, right? Highly educated. But doctors are people, too. Yeah. A lot of times we, we think of them as they can do no wrong. They know every answer. Uh, well, they're humans, too. And yep. so ask questions. Mm -hmm. Consult with other physicians. Make sure yep. because, like you said, like 
you have no idea. Great doctors, I'm sure, but like you have no idea what's right. in their head. It's like I've got a I've got a massive schedule ahead of me. I can fit this in, yeah. and mm. I'm, this this will fix it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. But is it the best fix? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not saying again anything bad about them, but yeah. with doctors, we, <laughs> they're just people. Too. They're people, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know we. Talk about waste removal is, I guess, the best way to put it. But it's a routine. Like, for all, for most of us, it's very routine. You don't even think twice about it. Mm-hmm. There is somebody close to me who's had, I think, 13 or 14 surgeries for that same issue. Mm-hmm. And it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's something that most of us don't even think twice about. Yeah. But for somebody going through what you went through or, or somebody that, that I know, it I mean, it changes your whole day, your whole everything. Nothing is routine anymore yeah, about that. Yeah, and they prepped me. I mean, not knowing the outcome of the surgery, I had to go through all the routine appointments of this is how it will, if we do the bag, this mm-hmm. is how it will mm-hmm. function. And it's a, it messes with your mind. Mm-hmm. Like that was probably the hardest obstacle. It wasn't hard for me. Well, it was hard, but you know, I dealt with, okay, cancer diagnosis. Okay. This is what we have to do. But then knowing that I had this external thing, it was really hard mm. to wrap my mind around. Cause I think everything I've been able to get through, you don't see it. Right. So you can have this internal battle and struggle, but I still was able to stand in a meeting and no one knew and mm. no, no one knew any different. And, um, you know, now it was, I was facing that there was an external component to it, Um, a visible physical thing. And that was really hard. And I mean, you know, it is what it is. If you need that fine, you know, you can go on and live a normal life and they were preparing me for that. Um, but I was just so fortunate that he was able to do it. Your diet changes. I mean, even going to restaurants, you got to think about what kind of food is there. You can't add this. Mm -hmm. And I mean, is there's your whole schedule? Yeah. Everything changes. Everything has to be planned from now on. Yes. Versus just, you know, Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I was lucky. I mean, he, he pushed forward and as he would for any patient, but bladder cancer is typically a cancer of elderly men. Coming back to that theme from my Whipple right. procedure, mm-hmm. it's bizarre. Um, you know, he said most of my patients are like in their 70s and 80s and male. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, again, I was the most interesting patient on their roster at that time. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 So was there any treatment following that or was it because of when you caught it um, you didn't need, and you removed the bladder, you didn't need chemo or radiation? No chemo radiation. I'm, I go back for scans every three months still okay. at this point. So we're monitoring yeah. so far. Everything is clear. Um, I'll mm. go back the end of September for my next round of third. That'll be the third round of scans. Mm. Um, Love it. So, yeah, we're on a path that if they stay clear for a year every three months, then we go to every four months for a year and then every six months, and we know the drill. Um, But, yeah, I was very lucky that nothing nothing has been needed so, so go, ahead. go ahead so what wh- how about through COVID I mean is it have you actually had to watch yourself as far as you know yeah. not you're not getting COVID <laughs> through this process mm-hmm. yeah it's been we've had to be really careful and mm-hmm. um especially leading up to the surgery right. I was in a bubble and <laughs> did not really w- I had to travel to New York so mm-hmm. that was risky but yeah. then we were there for two weeks leading up to make sure that everything was okay because, 
you know, God forbid anything were to happen, it would push the surgery. And that means that the cancer is just in you that much longer. Mm -hmm. So yes, we've had to be very careful. Um, Obviously my immune system has been, was really low going through all the treatments Mm -hmm. and um, not treatment, sorry, but like the recovery afterwards. Um, So yes, had to be very careful. Yeah. The toll that people don't think about surgery, whether it's as extensive as yours or even a knee surgery is not natural for the body. I mean, it, it is, it takes you through the ringer, Mm -hmm. just the medication, the pain management. I mean, it's, it, it takes its toll. So to your point, you've had to be very careful because your immune system has been so compromised. Your body's fighting to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I got to imagine you got to be super careful. Yeah. You had to be super careful. And that was one thing that, you know, like I look like a normal 30, 31 year old on the outside but I had to remind friends and people you know like I have a whole other battle I have Mm. to be cautious Mm -hmm. of right now we all have to be cautious of COVID but you know I don't look like I I need to be so careful Mm. everyone needs to be careful but you know I look normal right um but really I'm I was very at risk at that point and Maybe my body could fight it, but at risk for delaying a surgery that I really, really mm-hmm. needed. Right. Yeah. yeah. So your experience, and, and again, I know you were young and you, you didn't, but how has um, your experience, the treatment changed from, you know, 25 years ago to now? Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel like there's been an advancement oh, in, yes. in actual detection, treatments, recoveries, mm-hmm. all of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I haven't been in those chemo suites again or, you know, radiation, but just from talking to doctors and having so much exposure, Mm -hmm. like the advancements are leaps and bounds ahead of everything. I mean, talking to my surgeon, he said, you know, your your bladder wasn't near where we really needed to be radiating for that surgery, but it wasn't as targeted as that we can be now. Right, so yeah, it's yeah. not surprising if it picked up on some of the radiation. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wild. So, absolutely wild. Yeah. So if your story is not encouraging enough <laughs> for our <laughs> listeners, what, what would you say? How would you encourage people? Listen, maybe it's not a health issue they're going through, but they're going through something. Yeah. How do you encourage people? What would you tell somebody? I think it's always just find something to be grateful for. There's always something to be grateful for, but just keep pushing forward. You know, like you always can. There's always, like my friend said, if one day at a time is too much, one hour at a time. And like really that helps put it in perspective of I can achieve this next thing. And, you know, soon soon you're on, on your way past mm-hmm. whatever is happening right now. So that and also just find your people if there's any common thread we've heard through this conversation if you have the people to support you you can get through it absolutely absolutely so what go ahead i was just saying what are you up to now what's the future look like where are you headed i'm in chicago right now and just you know agency life is keeping (laughs) me very busy and um i really haven't felt myself after the surgery until probably the past like month and a half so Mm. I'm excited to be normal again. Chicago feel a little bit more open, getting to experience it more. I mean, you, I mean, obviously you didn't see all, see all the Chicago memes before you moved to, <laughs> yeah. uh, to Chicago, but now is it feeling normal? Like 
Wrigleyville. I mean, where are you? Well, let me ask you, where are you living in Chicago? I'm in West Town right now. Okay. okay. Yeah. So just north of the West Loop, Fulton yep. Market area, yep. if you're familiar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's an awesome city. It's beautiful. The yeah. people are great. The food. I love food. The food is wonderful. It is great. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. So you're going to compare food. You got to compare food. Are you going to say New York and Chicago? Yes. <laughs> because the Chicagoans will tell you they have the best food. Yeah. I know. I think it's really hard to compare. Really? Yes. They you can't get off the fence. No, I get off. Get off I was, she's uh, saying New York's I'll way I'll better. Weigh I'll weigh in her so that you can you can gather your thoughts because that okay. was on on the spot deal. I think that New York has more variety, but I do think like the best quality is in Chicago. Okay, we didn't ask you, Todd. Kelly, <laughs> she's saying New York's better. Watch, <laughs> listen, go ahead. No, I actually. <laughs> have the same perspective i think new york still has very high quality the thing i like about new york food is there is the wide variety chicago i love hamburgers and so it was like oh my god there's so many good hamburgers in chicago there were a a select handful of good burgers that i like too fancy in new york i do definitely like new york pizza way better than chicago oh now now there's some fighting way better but chicago Really blew me away with their their food. Yeah, yeah. I've never been to Italian Chicago. in Chicago. Is Italian good too, is really huh? good. I would say New York might have a slight edge only because of the variety. Yeah. Okay. There you That's go. Fair. Mm. Yeah. Do you guys ever shut me down because of my opinion again? <laughs> We're going to hit pause on the pod. No, we'll let it run. <laughs> We're going to let it run. We have so a guest. So everybody can see what happens. We have a guest in house, Tyler. Stop being so Tyler. confrontational. Put me in a bully. You ever oh, just a bully in front of my friend Kelly again. I swear. Dude, how many see, ep- here it comes. Yeah, yeah, how how many episodes me. do we bully him? All He's always bullying us. All of the episodes, Ben. Yeah. All of them. He's all, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh man. I, I'm excited. Unless you guys got some, I'm super no, I want you to for, ask that question. Yes, we, because this is this could go in question. a lot of different directions. So Uh-oh. we ask every guest this okay. at the end of the episode, and I'm super excited to hear what you're going to say. If you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, doesn't necessarily mean you change anything, but if you just go tell yourself one thing, where do you go and what do you tell yourself? Wow, um, there's a lot of points that come to mind. <laughs> Um, I would probably, I would probably go back to like college Kelly and remind myself of what I had been through and how significant that is because at that point I did not recognize or acknowledge what I had been through. Mm. It really wasn't until my adult life that I was like, wow, that was a lot because I think I was always like, what's the next thing? What are we going right. to get? What are we going to wow. do? What What am I trying to do? I think I would remind myself of how significant it was and how far I had come, but h- how much value that proved. Mm-hmm. And then tell myself, you know, there's going to be some battles along the way, but you can mm. still, you can still do it. Yeah. And I feel like there's been just so much like wisdom and gold dropped, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. No, really though. Like you think about it, right? You're hey, one day at a time. Like, Really, like, if you have this insurmountable obstacle in front of you, whatever it seems, just one day at a time. Um, the the power of serving, you know, the impact that it makes, a lifetime impact that you can make on someone's life just by by giving a small amount of your time, the impact mm-hmm. of that. Um, the people, surround yourself with yeah. people. People is everything. You ask, you ask a CEO, he, yeah. what's your most valuable asset as a company? My people. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. And it's the same thing in life. It's it's okay. Hey, you know, surround yourself with people that you also you lift up, but also uh-huh. that they lift you up. And and find really good food when you're in New York, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza, you know, right? I, I looked at, uh, I'm listening to the story, and again, I mean, our connection is a little different than, than yes. most, but there's also that part of, and, and Tyler just hit on it, you know, it's family and a support system, but it's also like a true belief in self mm-hmm. that you're going to overcome. Yes. And you really have to have that belief mm-hmm. in, in that, you know, whatever the circumstances may be, yeah. That you're going to be resilient through this process and take it one hour at a time and get through it. Yeah. So, and I really appreciate mm-hmm. you coming yes, on today. So well, I appreciate uh, you having me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this has been, this has been awesome. And, and again, I mean, I don't want to lose connection. You're going to be, we're going to, we're going to have to use it for the, on the advertisement side. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Offer, offer yeah. services. Uh, we, I don't know if we can afford agency prices, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but we're getting there. Hook a brother up. Yeah. Hook a brother we'll, up. We'll give, we'll give a friends and family. There we go. Kind of there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks, Kelly. Thanks for coming on the thank show Thank you so much. Yes, hey, where can people, you. I don't know how involved you are on social media, but is there anywhere that people can find you, follow your story, connect, share? I mean, because people hear these kinds of stories, right? And, and I guarantee there's a dozen people mm-hmm. that that could connect and hey this is you know yeah. my son or daughter yeah. or i yeah. went through this is i mean again i don't want to put all of your business out there but no, if you're okay. not super private i mean yeah. is that something that you would yeah throw out absolutely there? um probably instagram is the best okay. way that's how i connected with yeah. Darren. yeah tell them your instagram handle um it's k kelly k higgins three so k h i g g i n s three Awesome. Yeah. Go, go slide in her DMs and tell her how much you love this uh, episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, awesome. Kelly. Appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Uh, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you.